Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Somiga. Somiga is an Irish-based nutrition company that is headed up and led by a team of nutritionists and food scientists. At Somiga, the mantra is better nutrition, better health, and their key goal with their supplements is to create a range that has maximum bioavailability and absorption. This Omega range is quite broad. They have vitamin D, omega-3s, antioxidants, you name it. If you want to check out their range, you can head over to gosamiga.com. So that's www.gosamiga.com. And if you want a 10% discount, you can use SENUT10 for 10% off. Hello, everybody, and welcome back once again to another episode of the Fuel Better podcast. I am your host, as always, Evan Lynch. Let's get into today's episode. I'm recording today's episode in a somewhat of an obscure manner. I am currently sitting in my car while it's charging on David's Key in Dungarvan recording a podcast. So I didn't wake anybody at home. So it's uh, it's an odd choice of studio today. Agreed, 100%. But, you know, we get it done. Anyways, before we get into the actual episode today, a couple of announcements. So obviously it's Christmas, it's the time of the year where people struggle with diet typically, you know, for the the few days around Christmas time and then where people will try and overcompensate in January by making very, very big lofty goals. What I'd like to point out is we have a waiting list for January 2024 for our online coaching program. The waiting list is getting quite big at the moment. If you think you'd like to work with the team, in the new year i am recording today's episode in the driver's seat of my car while it is charging on david's key in dungarvan at half six in the morning there's two reasons i'm doing this number one uh, everybody in the house is asleep and i didn't want to wake them by recording a podcast episode at six o'clock in the morning that wouldn't generally go down very well and number two i am adjusting to the reality of having an electric car the battery runs out it's effectively like having a massive phone that just takes a very long time to charge so that's uh that's something i'm currently working on but we manage anyways all that madness aside just before i get into the podcast today if you are considering working with my team and i in january 2024 or in the new year i would encourage you to head over to our intake form or inquiry form for the january 2024 waiting list it'll be in the show notes it's in the link in my bio it's easy to find on 
social media if you look for it but it's in the show notes for this episode we are expecting quite an upsurge in new clients in 2024 of course it's the time of year for all that type of stuff and if you want to be one of our clients i would encourage you to fill in that form sooner rather than later so you can actually be part of the action as opposed to watching from the sidelines but for now i'm going to park all that and let's get into today's episode i thought it would be important to record an episode about this topic just given the time of year and given the conversations and the nature of the conversations i've been having in my own work and in my clinical role i'm seeing a lot of people who are either in november trying to get fit or get ready for christmas uh, I, and I infer from that what they mean is, Evan, can you help me lose some weight so that it can counteract all of the weight in air marks or air quotes that I'm going to gain over Christmas? Worse still, I have people reaching out who are looking for Christmas diet plans. Or I think, and I quote yesterday, I need a way to um, manage and track my way through Christmas. How can I keep my diet on track through Christmas? And, you know, in this toxic culture world of, you know, all is putting in effort, hashtag be disciplined, hashtag no days off, which admittedly I was part of and I was a proponent of definitely when I was actively involved in sports and in my earlier days in this role, I would have had that rhetoric and viewpoint. But the further I step away and the longer I've been in this role, I see that that's a normalized disordered behavior and disordered thinking pattern. And I think it's really important that, you know, Christmas, any social occasion, it's not looked at as a loss. It's not looked at as a necessary evil for some. And it's not necessarily even looked at as counterproductive to your goals. And everything I say, if you're wondering, where's he going with this, sir? What's his point? The point I want to make is twofold. There are two points to this. Number one, if you are an athlete or someone who engages frequently in sports, which is the definition of an athlete, and you're listening, It's important for you to know that there's no research to suggest that, you know, eating chocolate or mince pies sometimes or having a diet that doesn't look like salad and superfood, that's not counterproductive to performance. And I would bet, based on the patients who I see with reds, if you were to focus on having a few mince pies, Maybe it wouldn't be in such a calorie deficit all the time. It might even help you. But the perceived impact of eating negatively or eating bad, quote, air quote again, foods at Christmas, that perceived impact on performance is only a perceived impact. In reality, your running speed or your ability to cycle a bike or swim or do whatever it is you do, isn't encumbered by Christmas. Second then, and I guess a harder 
a harder sell people who are trying to lose weight or be healthy you know let's let's go with weight loss for a start there's no reason that as long as you know you're making reasoned choices 80 to 90 percent of the time we're taking steps whether it's quantitative or not to control your calories that you're in a mild to moderate deficit there's no reason to think that either two weeks of slightly loosening the reins eating a couple of roses every now and then or two days of just kind of having whatever you want again the perceived impact here is far greater than the reality in reality these things have negligible to minimal impact on your weight or your health and i think it's really important not to miss the forest for the trees with this stuff so we want you to have a pattern of healthy eating and within a pattern of healthy eating we will see that generally you eat well you follow the guidelines the med style diet whatever is determined to be the thing for you a pattern isn't influenced by a single day or by a single dietary transaction and depending on how you track yourself and how we use those numbers i.e let's say you weigh yourself the day after christmas where you've probably had loads of spuds a bit of gravy maybe a few glasses of wine and you're two and a half kilos heavier let's think critically about that for a second the energetics of putting on two and a half kilos in a 24-hour period are staggering unless you're a professional competitive eater it's exceptionally unlikely that you've actually consumed enough calories to gain that much body fat and what you're actually doing is looking at day-to-day changes in water retention fluid balance fecal mass potentially as well that's a thing and that can actually add up to two or three kilos in some cases depending on your original size and whatnot so what most people will do is they won't know how to interpret these numbers they'll see an uptick in weight they'll assume that's 100% from body fat which it's mostly not from body fat and then that would be evidence that well I can't loosen the reins or enjoy my diet and that's how you approach or proceed with the rest of your life and that's that's a pattern that a lot of my patients will have had ingrained or learned before we ever speak so that's my point basically in a very long-winded format and the the few things i'm going to talk about today it's just to give you some perspective maybe a a shift in your perspective or your viewpoint on how bad christmas is or how much of a problem christmas is because it's not and what it boils down to for me you know I pride myself on approaching patients in a sustainable manner. So one thing I'll often say to someone is when we're finished working together, you shouldn't ever need to come back to me. Or if a a patient kind of puts out a suggestion, you know, what if I just never ate spuds again? I'll ask them, you know, can you see yourself doing that in five and ten years time? That's the litmus test for sustainability. Is this something you can actually do for a very extended period of time? Anyways, the the other the other kind of side of that is sustainability and health focused. So even with athletes, if we're looking at fueling performance, 
that can only be done through a health focused lens we cannot compromise performance or we cannot compromise health for the benefit of performance that is not helpful long run that's not a helpful thing to do but lots of people do that and let me explain why i started with this point number one for a diet to be sustainable it has to be something you would like to do forever right people don't think in forever terms they think eight week program they think dry january they think uh, and some people use lent the the religious um, time of year to make dietary changes so we, we think short extreme restrictive bang let's go life is not a sprint and if you just think about it for a moment for your diet to be sustainable it has to have things you like in it now that's all well and good but this is where people get tripped up the things you like part whatever comes to mind for you personally for me it's chocolate it's coffee it's pizzas all things that are quite high in calories if you are looking at losing weight and that's what most people are looking at this time of the year maybe you have some cholesterol or blood pressure issues with that but it's usually weight loss you're exceptionally unlikely to follow a diet that has nothing you like in it forever it's just not going to happen by definition because you like it there's a good chance you're going to eat them eat these foods again at some point but the kicker is if you have a set of rules or beliefs in the back of your head you know i'm trying to lose weight therefore i cannot have abc maybe i can't eat late at night maybe i have to intermittent fast maybe bread is counterproductive for my weight loss goals whatever it might be we all have these things in the back of our heads they're they're kind of uh, pre-existing beliefs or perceptions or your your reality or you know it's what you've been exposed to it's what you've learned to be true it's what you've seen and experienced through your own eyes it is your truth if i'm trying to lose weight i can't eat late at night i can't have bread i can't have chocolate no junk food no processed food i have to eat clean again third air quotes of this episode anyways if we look at human human nature you know our willpower which is a word that's going to get used a lot in the next two two to four weeks willpower is a brutal brutal way to approach diet because much like my (laughs) my electric car willpower is a battery that runs out far quicker than you would like to think and it's just not it's not a brilliant way for weight loss you cannot i guess battle your way through weight loss your your life cannot become a battle about every dietary choice you make you'll do it for four to six weeks tops and where where you'll probably unravel is you might have a bad day you might have a stressful day you might be anxious about something you might be really tired maybe a social occasion pops up you know you have the chance to go meet your friends maybe celebrate an anniversary whatever it might be 
and all of a sudden you're in a restaurant and there's only bad food or what you perceive to be bad food on the menu or let's say you're four or five weeks into your weight loss journey you're tired you've made some progress you haven't eaten a biscuit in six weeks you're watching a movie on a friday night and you just want something and fiber one bars aren't doing it for you there's a high chance that you're going to engage and if you come pre-packed with all of those beliefs that you know these are things i can't do as soon as you break one of your pre-existing rules one of two things will happen you will instantly feel like you have failed because you've broken the rules and uh, now you have to start again or you'll be very very discouraged but you might even just go off track that's that's where a lot of people perceive they have gone off track i've done this thing it was counterproductive it's undermined me i have now gone off track so that'll happen you'll have that snap response or you'll feel guilty you know you'll feel like you've done something wrong maybe you'll even feel a little bit of shame you'll feel bad about what you're after doing and unfortunately when we have a negative emotion we look for things to fix said negative emotion and if you think about it from that perspective when we feel bad we seek out things that make us feel better it's very rational unfortunately um in your home environment you have things like biscuits chocolate alcohol coffee those are just ready and waiting dopamine hits they will make you feel better and for the for the arseholes and i can just oh, i know like 20 of these lads who are going to put up instagram posts over the next two weeks talking about hashtag discipline you know hashtag motivation they'll only look at diet with their their pt clients through the lens of hunger or not hunger in a case like that hunger is not what is driving your decisions it's an emotive response you cannot manhandle an emotive response it's impossible to do that without help or tools so you'll, you'll probably engage something called a binge eating cycle or comfort eating to a lesser extent so it basically goes like you eat your food you think said food is negative or bad or whatever or it, eating the food brings about a negative emotion in you you feel crap you look for something to make you feel better in this case think of chocolate as mental paracetamol or ibuprofen if you will and you feel temporarily better it's only very fleeting though so you might repeat that a couple of times and then you'll feel like you've failed so that's that's one part of it so if we want to avoid you know you getting to that point i have to convince you or at least sow the seeds that maybe excluding things isn't the way maybe weight loss and sustainable dieting is learning about how to include things in a sustainable way and a healthy way so that that's that's one part of it that's our sustainability part second part here i just want to touch on the sports performance side of things for a moment and namely from what i'm seeing lately it's athletes either worried that having relatively unhealthy eating patterns 
albeit for a short space of time, is counterproductive to performance, or athletes who are worried that they're going to gain such a level of weight over Christmas that it's going to obviously undermine their performance in some way, shape or form. And I think it's important to point out a couple of things here. Number one, there is no research ever, at least that I'm aware of. I hope I'm not going to get corrected on this. I don't think I will. There's no research anywhere ever in history that suggests if you're an athlete, you can't have chocolate, no uh, mince pies, no desserts. There is research to suggest that alcohol consumption can be counterproductive for sleep quality, recovery and all that. But I think it's pertinent not to take that piece of research and that key finding and apply it to every single day of your life. Even if you're a high level athlete, we work with a lot of high level athletes. You're more than an athlete. And this is this is where the health part comes into to sports nutrition. My opinion is that as an athlete or as a sports dietitian even, if I'm trying to give an athlete a healthy diet or make healthy recommendations, but by God, that has to include balance. And the second you have to abstain from social events because you're an athlete or because you're dietary demands are that much different we fucked up that is the point where you've you've gone from being a disciplined person who's attentive ticking the boxes taking care of business to disordered that's exactly the point where it happens as soon as you cannot engage socially or you you have to kind of uh, shy away from things like that we have failed Luckily, it doesn't happen very often with my clients because we talk about these types of things. But, you know, I'm not suggesting have a bottle of wine one week before the Olympic Games or for your most important competition of the year. You probably should minimise the alcohol leading into that. If that just happens to coincide with Christmas, that's totally different, different scenario. Generally speaking, most athletes do not have their most important events until March to August. That's where they mainly happen. So I would I would wager that, uh, you know, you probably don't have to not drink any alcohol over Christmas. And if you do, it's probably not going to ruin your chances of having a PB in the Berlin Marathon or Dublin Marathon 2024. Let's be very realistic here. And I think... This is why it's important, obviously, that research is read and we're all contemporary and up to date and we know what the story is. But application is really, really key. And there's generally a big fucking gap between research, what the research says, and how to apply it appropriately. Yes, if we take that research, we should say athletes should never drink alcohol because it's counterproductive. But we have to weigh up the pros and cons of that. For an athlete to never do that, does that mean they can never socialize? Does that mean they're constantly restricting something they like? And is there a difference between constantly doing that and doing that when it's pertinent to do so around key competition times? Would there be much of a difference? 
from a performance point of view for the large improvement in quality of life. It's just something to consider. I kind of went off on one there about the alcohol. But just to get back on topic, the, the general gist, okay, there isn't research that suggests that not eating the kind of keto diet or clean or paleo, not only would it not have any bearing on improving your performance, most likely, if you follow a clean eating mantra, most likely you probably underfuel. And I just anecdotally, and I'd love, God, I'd love to do research on this or read research on this. People who say things like eating clean and how many of them have things like reds or low energy availability, I'd say it's a fucking 100%. I'd, ne- I'd nearly put money on it. Anyways, it's not the problem you think it is. This can sometimes stem from body image issues with athletes, particularly athletes who come from aesthetic weight category or lean sports. So gymnastics, combat sports, cycling, distance running, to name a few, triathlon, where you need to be a specific weight to actually punch your ticket and compete or where being as lean as possible is championed. If that's the culture and that's the expectation of the sport with which or in which you compete, it's only natural that you're going to be a kind of afraid of things that cause weight gain if you heavily identify with that. So if you have a really strong athletic identity, I am an athlete, therefore I dress like this, I look like this, I have a six pack and as a result I must engage in these behaviours, I eat like this, I don't eat these things, etc. So you can often tie back to most athletes, at least in my experience, unwillingness or fear of engaging meaningfully at social events like Christmas, Easter, um, birthdays, whatever it might be, often comes back to a fear of gaining body fat. I don't want to eat too much at Christmas Day or I'll gain body fat. And the only thing I know how to do here is explain the maths behind this and some of the research on it. So in overfeeding studies, when you overfeed people by a significant sum of calories, the weight gained doesn't really ever match the excess calories consumed because when we increase our caloric intake, we see our metabolic rates increase almost exponentially. There's a big uptick there to match that. Number two, to put numbers on it for you, if we look at gaining one kilogram of body fat, it's approximately seven and a half thousand calories. I don't know if you've ever done the maths on what seven and a half thousand calories is, but just for reference, one slice of bread is about 80 calories, a protein bar is about 200 calories, and let's say just offhand, a fit food meal, those healthy ready made meals are somewhere between 350 to 600 calories. A roast dinner is probably 800 to 1000 if it's a very big one. So if you want to gain one kilo of body fat, you probably have to consume your needs. So most people are between 1500 and 3000 calories a day, plus seven and a half thousand calories, probably plus another thousand or two to allow for um, not absorbing everything 
um, increases in metabolic rate, probably increases in thermogenesis, etc., to gain one kilo of body fat. Now they've brought your attention to a box of celebrations. A single celebration is probably 40 to 50 calories. I don't actually know. I'm, I'm guessing I'm not a compendium of what has X calories. I have a fair idea, but I don't know all of them. No dietitian does, I don't think. It's like learning your tables in school. Just use a calculator or use a tool. Anyways, I say this to point out the reality of fat gain or fat loss because that's really what people care about. Weight itself is a poor metric of body composition. It just tells you how heavy you are on a day-to-day basis. It doesn't inform changes in fluid balance, fluid retention, fecal mass, etc. So it's hard to interpret and shouldn't be interpreted as solely induced by fat or not fat. So that's really important. So I don't know if hearing this helped. I hope it helped. I'm going to do a couple of these kind of quick episodes over the festive period. But just something to think about and to kind of neatly tie all this up under a little bit of a summary bow here. Number one. If you're thinking "Mm, Christmas is going to be counterproductive, then you need to change the way you think. And my question to you is, what beliefs do you have around food at the moment or your diet that don't serve you? Or what, what are your beliefs around body fat loss or weight change or whatever it might be? Do you think you have to avoid specific things or can't have specific things? Are you very rigid and black and white with your thinking? If you ponder this for a second, you'll know the answer. If the answer is yes, you need to talk to someone like me or a counsellor or equivalent. As I said at the start of the episode, we are taking on clients for January. A lot of the people on our client list would have said yes to those questions. Number two, from an athletic perspective, know that a few days of eating not by the food pyramid or you know, not healthy carbs or whatever way you want to phrase it, really has no bearing on performance and a few units of alcohol, if that's your thing, at not key points of the year, I think that's okay. I'm very happy to disagree with anybody on that. I don't think totalitarian rules with diet have any place, but that's that's my opinion and I'm sure people will disagree with that, but this is not their podcast, so fuck them. And then to, again, just finish off on this point, whatever you do over Christmas, you know, however you eat, it's not something to feel bad about. You know, no one has ever gone to prison for eating, eating whatever, a follow, uh, like a specific pattern or following a specific pattern. It's just not a thing to feel bad about. The, the deal is that because you're a human, you get to eat Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
enjoying food is part of the deal so a healthy balanced diet has to have food that you like if you have a viewpoint or you follow a set of rules that prevents you from having food you like or punishes you for it then you could do it some help you need to change that outlook so that's today's episode i hope you found it helpful or at least just pardon the pun but food for thought or a bit of a perspective shift i i wanted to i wanted to narrate some of the thought patterns people have and just go into them a little bit maybe it helps you i hope you get some food freedom this christmas you can enjoy things in a guilt-free manner or without a big mental price tag with them i really do but if you do need help or assistance with this please do reach out but in the meantime Feliz Navidad. Oh, sorry. One more thing. If you like this podcast, you find it helpful, you find it informative, maybe you just think I'm a great host, thank you, if that's what you think, I would appreciate if you could share the podcast with a friend or leave a review on either Apple or Spotify podcasts. That really helps my ratings and it really helps me get that podcast out there to more people. So if you like it, I would really appreciate the share. (laughs) 